This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Hing.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Welcome to Carpe Diem with your host, Lisa McDonald. My mama told me when I was young, we're almost superstars. She pulled my hand with my lipstick on. Good morning, everybody. Thank you so very much for joining me, rejoining me here again on this lovely Friday morning. My name is Lisa McDonald. This is my show, Carpe Diem. And you are listening and plugged into the Contact Talk Radio Network. Uh, so immensely grateful and blessed to have yet another phenomenal guest join us today. Uh, before I turn it over, as I always do, to unscripted dialogue, I'm just going to plug a little bit about my guest, Mitchell Levy. Uh, again, this reaches, it, listenership reaches to 145 countries, 220 TV radio terrestrial satellites, and the potential for millions of iTunes downloads. So who is my guest, Mitchell Levy? Well, what I can tell you about Mitchell is that he's a very accomplished entrepreneur who has created 20 businesses in Silicon Valley, including four publishing companies that have published over 800 books. Currently, Mr. Levy is the AHA guy at AHA That and CEO of Think AHA. He is a best-selling author with 56 business books and a contributor at Entrepreneur Magazine. In addition to these accomplishments, Mr. Levy has provided strategic consulting to over 100 companies, advised over 500 CEOs on critical business issues, and has been chairman of the board of a NASDAQ-listed company. So, Mitchell, wow, I can't get over that. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks. I love your inflection points. Well done. Yes. Well, thank you very much. Again, I always consider it a gift uh, when people take the time out of their hectic schedules to join me and my listeners for an hour of radio time. And I'm just always truly fascinated. I'm very quite selective with the guests that I seek out. Uh, I'm all about relinquishing fear, embracing passions, uh, stepping into your preferred state of reality and being every single day, and people who take massive action. So clearly you fit the bill for that, my friend. So welcome. <laughs> well, thanks. Great to be here. Yeah. So, you know, why don't you tell us a little bit about the inception of your journey, Mitchell? How did this all come to be for you? And when did you get exceptionally clear that this was the path for you? You know, it, it's such a... There's a great question, and it's uh, it depends on. There's so many different ways to answer that. I think uh, my my favorite my favorite answer for for everything is always uh, well, you know, we worked really hard for so many years, and we were all of a sudden overnight success. But that that actually isn't really how that works. Um, <laughs> the uh, it it's I've always wanted to very similar to you. Um, I've always wanted to uh, put tools in the hands of other people to help them be successful. Mm-hmm. And the interesting part is, is when I look back and reflect, we've been doing this. I've been doing this my entire career. Although when I worked for other companies, I don't think I was really the true me. I just felt under the constraint of uh, the the corporate bandwidth, I couldn't really let my my true passion out. And so I've I've actually been working for myself since 1997. I've taken three uh actually I think I'm on my my fourth morph in terms of who I am and what I do. Lovely. And and the short answer now um and I could actually go into detail if you want but the short answer now is I actually have been able to make it so I have a platform that not only leverages me and what I do and and one of my jobs I uh, I I just had zero leverage for for Mitchell Levy. Uh it allows me to leverage me but more importantly it allows me to let anyone else leverage themselves. And the most important thing, if we're living out loud and we're living fearlessly, if, which is I'm thinking about the moniker of what you talked about, the most important thing is that we actually can express ourselves in a way that those people who need to hear what we have to say can hear us. And that's what that's what I'm doing today. I love doing that. Wonderful. 
Wonderful. Well, two things that really interest me about you that I want to talk about, and there's so much more that will be forthcoming throughout the hour. Uh, but when we talk about thought leaders and we talk about entrepreneurs, you know, let's make it very clear for the listening audience. What is an entrepreneur in the truest, uh, purest definition? What does it take to become an entrepreneur? Not just to become one, but to, to sustain it, to maintain it, to, uh, enhance and grow and expand all the time and what is a thought leader and what separates different people from so-called gurus in the industry from people who are authentically thought leaders wow (laughs) well those are three questions so um when i get lost and only answer one or two that's okay i'll bring you right back i mean come back to the third one uh (laughs) so you know the first question what's an entrepreneur it's really fascinating i Let me tell you what an entrepreneur is not. Uh, I've coached tens of thousands of people. And what happens occasionally is there'll be somebody who works for a company. They're an engineer. And they'll come to me and say, hey, Mitchell, I love what you're doing. I I had this great idea. I want to be an entrepreneur. I'm like, great. I said, what are you doing to fulfill that idea? And and they said, well, nothing. I'm working. I've got a company I work for. And I say, well, how many hours a week you work? Now, the answer, depending in Silicon Valley, sometimes the answer is 80 hours. But, you know, the answer is 70 or 60 or 50. Or I've had people come to me and, and, and they're only working 40 hours a week. And I say, well, if you're only working 40 hours a week, can't you find an extra 10 to put right. towards this idea? Or if you're working 70 hours a week or 60 hours a week, can't you find an extra five to put towards this idea? And if the if the answer is not an immediately, oh, absolutely, I could figure that out. That person is not an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's that's a that's a long way of saying what an entrepreneur is. Um, let me give you a short definition. It's somebody who sees a need for a product or service in in the environment, and they actually then go forth and put that need or that service out there, and they start making money. Mm-hmm. So really, really simple. And I. I'll tell you an idea, and and so I I do a lot of, this is really one of my, what I'm doing now, the Aha That platform is really one of my first product companies, and it's really a combination of a product and a service. I do a lot of service entrepreneurship, and and I'll give you an idea of of how to, let's say, Lisa, you and I really loved working and talking to each other, and we, we, doing this uh, conversation, we have this Aha moment, we go, man, we got to do this business together, okay? Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Thank you. Um, Well done. I would actually, the first thing I'd say is, hey, let's find our first client. Because when you do a partnership as an entrepreneur with somebody else, it's it's sometimes people spend so much time planning and thinking and trying to make that that perfect thing happen. And I'd say, let's find our first client. Let's do the project together. Because, you know, when, uh, excuse me for saying this, when shit hits the fan, and it always hits the fan, yes. um, it's how your partner reacts to that that helps you determine whether or not you really want this person as a partner. Mm-hmm. So get a real client, and if you liked working together, then the question is, can you find another client? And if you find another client, then you have an ongoing business. If you don't mm-hmm. find another client, you had a fun experiment. And to me, that is the absolute best way. And eventually, one of those many experiments you run will turn into something that becomes a little bit more than just a handful of ongoing projects. Lovely. Well, before we we turn it over to thought leaders, another thought occurred to me. So, you know, we know in the entrepreneurial world, we know that jobs, for the most part, are done. They're obsolete. You know, things are shifting. The millennials are taking over. Uh, everything's about technology. Everything's about speed. Everything's about innovation, creation. So for people who might not innately be wired uh, or characteristically fitted, suited to be an entrepreneur, how do people, how do people fight to find a place in a changing time? Uh, where we have to work, you know, we have to sustain ourselves, we have to pay bills. So if the culture and the climate of jobs is changing in the way that we traditionally know that to be, 
and things are getting outsourced and, uh, you know, companies are going under and the economy is changing and dictating the course of a lot of people's future direction. What do you say to people who aren't necessarily equipped to be entrepreneur, but to be part of the times and evolutionize themselves and revolutionize themselves have to get with the program very quickly. So what do we do with those people? Uh, Lisa, that was like so unbelievably set up. Um, and we didn't script this obviously because what I want to do, let me answer that question. But when I answer that question, I'm also going to answer the question of thought leadership. Okay. Um, so let me let me start with thought leadership, and then I'll come back and I'll specifically address your question because it's a really good one, and and uh, we'll go back and forth a little bit on that. Sure. So a thought leader in in the older world was the person who stood up on the platform and spoke their wisdom, and then their flock who was listening said, "Yep," and they just charged in that direction. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and there were many people like that. And in the old days, we just, you know, the, the Tom Peters of the world, the, the, those people who we, uh, the, the Jay Conrad Levinson, oh my God, phenomenal man. Um, but it's, it's the people who they just stood up and, and they were just clearly recognized. It was really the publishers who would publish the books of these, of these phenomenal people. And, and we just, everyone followed them because that's, they said something and, and their flock moved. Well, in today's world, everyone has a microphone, everyone has a podium, everyone can stand up and talk, and there's so much information, so much contact coming after us. The question is, do we really, are we really looking for thought leaders? Are we really looking for somebody who doesn't know us? They, they don't know who we are and what we do, and they, and we just don't, and they, if they tell us, hey, go this direction, we have so many choices, why should we listen? So I have a concept called an aha leader. And the aha leader is the way the way I think about it, it's your own personal curator. It's the people in some cases they're actually real friends, but in Facebook terminology, they're your friends who you know, like and trust, who when they say something, they can actually look you in the eye, whether that's a virtual eye or real eye. They look in the eye and say, Listen, I've tried this, this has gone this way for me. I think this will work for you. And so we're looking for people who are our own personal curators to help us solve a problem, right? So, so I call that the aha leader, and it it means that you're really doing a you're becoming an expert. Everyone's an expert in a number of different areas, and so you're an expert in what you do. And when you're talking about that expertise, you just have also figured out how to get paid for it, right? Right. And and yeah. so now let's go back to your question is, what do people do who maybe don't have the entrepreneurial gene in their body? Mm-hmm. OK, um, there are there are two things that just sort of immediately immediately crop to mind. If you're an aha leader in an area and you have expertise, even if you're not doing consulting outside your company, you still have expertise in an area and people may be uh, asking you for ideas, asking you for thoughts. Well, if there are a couple of, let's say, software platforms that you're recommending or tools or products that you're recommending, it is not, uh, it is not a bad thing for you to be, uh, an affiliate of that company to be mm-hmm. able to get referral fees from those companies. If you're talking about a particular product and you're talking about it because you truly like it and you truly use it, there's no reason that you can't be getting paid uh, for sharing some of that information as well, whether or not you do that online or you, you're giving somebody a link that you just happen to be tagged to. I mean, uh, Amazon is really big on that. People don't make a ton of money these days, but when you recommend books and you're an Amazon affiliate, you get a small percentage. Right. Um, but it's really easy on some larger companies and, and companies are doing this more and more where it's just super simple to become an affiliate and get referral fees for, for sharing something you, you like. Uh, the other thing I'll recommend, and I have never been, uh, I've never been a big fan of affiliate marketing companies, the multi-level marketing companies. You know, we all have heard of the Amways of the world and, and we, and we sort of panic because, you know, we're afraid somebody's going to sell us something we don't want to use. Um, what I'll tell you is I'm looking at a, Phenomenal transformation in the way the world works. 
And and if you want to uh, if you want to sort of uh, get a feeling for what I'm talking about, just think about the phenomena called Pokemon Go. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yes. All of a sudden, because we all have internet connectivity, we all have cell phones. All being a very there, there are parts of the world that doesn't have this, but because we now have an infrastructure that we're all connected to. A tremendous quantity of the world from five-year-old kids to 70-year-old uh, adults all of a sudden are are bonding together in this experience called Pokemon Go. Mm-hmm. Companies have no clue really how to take advantage of it. Some companies in college towns do a good job, right? What they're doing is they're, they're actually buying to put up – uh, what's called lures in Pokemon terminology, so that the college kids will spend more time at their establishment because they're Pokemon special Pokemon hanging around, right? And <laughs> and so the interesting part that came out of nowhere. Well, I actually see a handful, and and I'm I'm now experimenting and exploring a couple multi-level marketing companies because they're as opposed to doing stuff like shampoo or healthcare. Uh, there's one I'm playing with now that's doing new cell phone technology. Mm-hmm. And I'm just thinking it's super cool to be thinking about, uh, to be thinking about the world in a different way. Because the, the way I like to think about it is if you look at the amount of money that's spent on, by the cell phone carriers, AT&T, uh, uh, Comcast, T-Mobile, uh, think about the money that's spent on TV commercials. Think about the money that's spent on physical locations. Think about the money spent on employees that are actually manning and or womaning, personing those those physical locations. Now take all that away, because multi-level marketing means that people are selling other people, friends are selling their other friends, and give fifty percent of that back to the individual selling those products. Um, I think there's an interesting opportunity here, and so I think as the world changes. Um, there'll be more and more entrepreneurial opportunities like that where you could still, you could still have your motherhood. And, and I, I have another point, but I'll let you, I'll let you talk in a minute. And then, and then I have one more point to make. But there's, there's still an opportunity for you to, um, actually let me, let me make it if you don't mind. Uh, I'm going to switch topics just for a second. Go right ahead. Same, same sort of thing, but a lot of times when people say, uh, I want to be an entrepreneur. They think it's a, an on-off switch. Mm-hmm. Like one day they're working for a company and then they could say, okay, I'm flipping the switch. I'm now an entrepreneur. And they have to quit their money. And what I want to say to you is one of the benefits of having a job for, from another company is is that company is your financial sponsor. Mm-hmm. Right? And hopefully – for many people, your financial sponsor is also the place that you like doing things. But if it, let's say it isn't. If you have a job and you're getting paid, that's fantastic. Do find that extra X many hours a week to experiment in other areas that might actually help make you money. And, and that's the interesting part is entrepreneurs are people who will find the little bit of extra time to experiment with a couple different areas. And then if it works for them, they tell others. Very good. Well, let me ask you this. I want to take this a little bit deeper, Mitchell. Uh, you know, everything that you're talking about, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a fellow entrepreneur, so I'm always sponging up other people's ways of thinking, other people's, uh, creativity. Uh, I, I just love everything that you're speaking about and I appreciate that. Okay. Um, yes. So what I want to do in terms of taking this subject a little bit deeper, um, you know, a couple of different things. Uh, it's not uncommon for, and I've had many top tier guests appear on my show, and, I, and regardless of people being household or not, I've had, all my guests have been stellar. They've all brought something really meaningful and substantial to the table to myself and to listeners and to the network. Um, not uncommon, however, for people to have really risen in the ranks and to be top of their game. Uh, and in many cases, as I mentioned, to have recognizable names based on the the message resonating with so many thousands and millions of people in some cases. You know, not uncommon that my guests have gone through a period of darkness, and that was the conduit towards tapping into 
understanding clearly what their pain was and transforming it into their passions and realizing that they got really jazzed uh, about what it was that kept them down and realizing that it is possible to turn shit into gold. So for some people who, for some people who are doing extremely well now, it could, you know, it, it could have been out of a moment of desperation. It could have been the biggest challenge and obstacle that they faced. Call it bankruptcy, call it divorce, call it death, call it whatever in the family. Um, you know, so when people have been, in some cases of who I've had on the show, they've been super hungry. They've been poor. They've been impoverished. They've been homeless. And now, you know, when you look at where they're at right now, I mean, I had Jim Carrey's sister, uh, Rita Carey, and she talked about, you know, people don't understand the humble beginnings that that family came from. And, you know, so when you're fighting for your place on the stage in this world and you get very clear on what your message is and you own your voice and you hone what you do every single day because you love it, you know, is there a deeper story for you of, of how this all got birthed for you? Um, you know, was there some kind of circumstance or, and I'm not trying to, to glamorize or glorify or even suggest that, you know, to be successful, you have had to have been in the shits at one point. But is there a story like that that speaks to you, Mitchell, that might make you a little bit more relatable to people who are listening and who may not necessarily be entrepreneurs? You know, there. Uh, what I'll say is it was really evolutionary. And then I could go back to your initial question and, and answer that. Mm-hmm. There isn't, there isn't, a particular thing. It's a whole series of significant events. Uh, when I was working for a company, I always felt like this was not me. I always felt like when, when I was giving the answer to my boss, when he asked me a question, I wasn't giving the answer that I wanted to give. I was giving the answer that I thought he wanted to, he wanted to hear. And so, my my first foray in entrepreneurship was 1997. I was I was here in Silicon Valley. The dot com craze was just starting to take off, and so I was at the time I was working for Sun Microsystems. I was running the e commerce component Sun Supply Chain, which was three and a half billion. And I basically said, Hey, I'm going to start a strategic consulting company. And I you know so I left Sun and I hung up my shingle and I said, Here I am. <laughs> and uh, so so then you know nobody was like screaming at the door immediately. And so I started calling up some friends and one of my old bosses said, Mitchell, this is now remember, this is 1997. This is the web is just, uh, 1995 is when we started really starting to, to think about the web. Uh, 97 was still really early. And so one of my old bosses says, Mitchell, do you know anything about SEO? And I go, I said, no. He goes, well, I've got – he was doing a web development firm. He goes, I've got a number of clients who need SEO. I have nobody on my staff who can do it. Why don't you go and do some research, figure out what's going on, tell me what I should t- charge my clients, and tell me what you want to charge me. So entrepreneurship was, sure, it's no problem, Rick. I'll definitely do that. So I, I went out, and I spent two weeks. I bought everything on the market on SEO, which really wasn't that much at the time. And I <laughs> came back to Rick, and I said, listen, here's what I think you should do. Why don't you charge your clients fifteen thousand? I'll charge you ten, and uh, and we'll take it from there. And within a month, we sold five clients, and that's kind of how I started making money. Um, <laughs> and and so immediately, I thought to myself, oh, and by the way, you'll love this story. Um, immediately, I thought to myself, well, you don't necessarily make money where you think you will originally, mm-hmm. but now SEO, and particularly at the time, it's still true today. SEO meant that I sat down with whoever was managing the website. At the time, it was typically the the CEO or the the CMO for particularly for the the, the startup firms, and uh, and I'd say, give me your thirty second pitch. And then ten minutes later, when they were done with their thirty second pitch, and really I was looking for the thirty second pitch, I realized that I did have a strategic consulting client, and at least half of those then became strategic consulting clients for me. Um, so that was where the entrepreneurial thing came in. But but really, you want the 30-second pitch because when somebody gives that pitch, you should be looking for key phrases. And then three of those key phrases should be components of the website, separate pages of the website. So yeah, that's kind of how I started. Um, and, and from there, it was I became a e-commerce consultant during the dot-com days. And I ended up uh, just sort of navigating my way into – 
Uh, I, I ran four different uh, conferences for Comdex, uh, the largest IT conference for a while. Uh, at university, uh, uh, another experience that happened, which was fascinating uh, to me, is I was actually teaching at San Jose State University, and, and I had no time. And I so I went to quit. But when I when I quit things, I either say, hey, listen, I, I got to do more. Or I have to do less. This is always nice to say it that way. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, the dean of the program looked me eye and said, you know, you might be good at running uh, a program for us. And I go, okay, let me think about that. Uh, let me come back in three weeks. Uh, obviously, what you could see is I need time to to think, put a plan together. So I started talking to to, to, to my friends. I started putting a plan together. And when I came back, I said something that that sort of they laughed at me, which was which was great. Um, I said to them, "Listen, let's start the program. We're going to call it the e-commerce management program, run out of run out of San Jose State University Professional Development." I said, "Why don't we start it in nine months during the fall season? I'm going to come up with. We'll start off with probably twenty or thirty classes. We'll see how many I can pull together, and I don't want you to pay me a thing between now and then." Um, I just want to get 25% of the door. Mm-hmm. They absolutely laughed at me <laughs> because they had never had anyone generate a program that, that brought in enough money. Mm-hmm. So they just thought I was being the stupidest business person in the room. She signed the contract so fast, I can't even tell you. <laughs> uh, and we over the next three four years, we ended up selling uh, forty seven hundred course seats, took in over two million dollars of revenue, and then they complained about writing the checks. Hmm. So it was interesting. Now the one of the things that happened to me there, um, and and one of my lessons learned. So one lesson learned is I was not leverageable. Right? It was I was acting more like the traditional thought leader. Mitchell Levy needed to be. In the room consulting, uh, running a conference, uh, helping to run uh, a program at a university. You know, the, uh, we did a lot of um, telephone conversations and, and group talk, but, but I had to be there. I wasn't leverageable. And then if you guys remember the dot bomb, uh, it was around 2001. All of a sudden, everyone hated e-commerce and all the startup companies and the market took a, took a crash. Yeah. Well, for me personally, what that meant, because I was, I was known, Esther Dyson called me Mr. E-commerce. And so at the time, I was, I was making, uh, 7,500 on keynotes, $5,000 a day on consulting. And all of a sudden, almost overnight, my brand was worth zero. Wow. And it was really, so I couldn't talk to people about e-commerce because they, the market changed. And that was an amazing learning lesson for me because I, what I realized at the time that it wasn't me, right? I didn't, it wasn't any, like if I was working for a company and, and I got fired, I think, oh, well, may, I must have done something wrong, <laughs> right? But here I am working for myself and the market shifted. And all of a sudden what I was doing wasn't worth anything. And, and you know, this as an entrepreneur, people. Yep. People pay you for what they perceive the value of your services. So it was a great opportunity for me to recognize that sometimes the market shifts. And for people who aren't entrepreneurs, who aren't sort of getting paid based on what the market's telling them what's valuable, you all of a sudden one day in Silicon Valley, I can't tell you how many people, they were chip designers. And then Intel changed the chipset, and they never changed with it, and now they're out of work. Right. 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 And, and so, anyhow, so that was an interesting lesson for me. And, and from there, um, I created a group called CEO Networking, where we got CEOs in a room to bounce ideas together, um, and a bunch of other projects. But what ultimately I saw was the democratization of book publishing. Mm-hmm. And so that's when I started my first book publishing company. Good for you. And, uh, yeah, thanks. It was kind of fun. And what I wanted to do is I wanted to make it – what I wanted was I wanted a company that you could actually trust the owner, <laughs> right? When – you know, when I was doing the dot-com stuff, I would what hire – What a novel people. concept. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it turns intended. out it's really simple and, and it's more acceptable today. It wasn't then. Right. Um, and – because what happened during the dot-com days, I was making good money, and, and so I needed to hire people. And when I asked somebody who I hired a question, 
-hmm. I would always try to figure out, are they answering the question in my best interest or are they answering the question in their best interest? And when I couldn't figure that out, it always bothered me. So I have to tell you, if you publish with one of our publishing companies, you know exactly what we're doing. And you know that what we're, we try to do is we're trying to make, make it in your best interest. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, yeah. Let me ask you this, uh, Mitchell, because we still have lots of ground to cover and want to talk about your startup and, and all kinds of current things that are in the mix right now for you. Um, when we talk about leadership, uh, you know, sometimes things like leadership, thought leaders, mentors, these terms start to lose effect. People become a little bit desensitized to the terminology. Uh, people's eyes glaze over. They don't necessarily know if everybody's operating from the same understanding of, of truly what defines each of those. And it's so key and it's so crucial and pivotal, especially when you're talking about navigating other people's lives, whether you're talking about purchase of service, consulting, uh, you know, you're talking about having a, a, an impact and you're helping people shift within their lives and their level of consciousness. So, um, you know, when you look at, I mean, as an author myself, you know, when you look at the industry of books, when you look at the industry of writers, uh, thought leaders, um, inspirational speakers, you know, all these people who are in this bubble. From your experience, what do you believe differentiates and separates people into the distinct categories of somebody who is a so-called leader, a so-called thought leader, and somebody who would be actually truly authentic within those roles? Well, I think you answered the question with your last statement. <laughs> and uh, authenticity is is the number one element today. The the thought leader of the past who stood up there and just uh, you know read from their script card, yeah. you know they acted like they were authentic, but they may not have been. the The person who's there today and successful, you know they're authentic because they're living, breathing, and doing what they're talking about every day. Mm-hmm. You know, and, what, it, and what do you believe aside from the obvious authenticity as a characteristic, um, you know, as your trademark, your signature for those who truly are. Uh, what are the other essential core ingredients that go into what you would witness or work with or partner with uh, and being able to clearly identify that they are authentic, aside from authenticity? Well, I think it's the... I, I think what you see happening today and I think is very valuable is people are living out loud. Yeah. And and a lot of the living out loud. So if if you've come into my circles and, and Lisa, you and I did, you get to see a little more personal side of me because we're connected on Facebook. Correct. Um, for those of us that I'm connected to on LinkedIn, they're really on LinkedIn. I'm using it as a tool for more of the bigger picture business stuff. Um, but I don't mind showing a little bit of my personal life. Because everyone has issues. Everyone has things going on in their personal lives. And, you know, so for instance, we, uh, you know, you just recently had sick kids, right? And, yeah. and what's interesting about that is, is, uh, if, if I had six kids, sick kids as well, because I learned this about you, we would have an authentic conversation about that, right? Right. How, how do you do? What do you do? Mm-hmm. Um, let me, let me swap the lesson for a second. And the, and a lesson to be thinking about for those kids, for your kids when they were sick and they wanted to get better, um, who would be, who would they call their aha leader? Who did they turn to as the person to make them better? Uh, that would be mommy. It was you, it was mom. So yeah. what I call the aha leader, it's, it's the own, it's your own curator. It's the person who has the answers to your immediate problems. And when kids are sick, it's mom by definition. It just is. <laughs> right. If if you're if if somebody listens to this show and they love what you're doing and they love the format and they're looking to do a show like this themselves and they say, hey, what what network should I go to? Mm-hmm. Well, you might recommend this one, the one you work on. Uh, absolutely. Right. And and you know what? And they're going to say why you're going to tell them why. And and based on that answer, they may not go anywhere else. You become the aha leader on recommending this this show, this network, this technology, and you're going to say why. Mm-hmm. So the people who are successful, 
they do that. They give that answer. They become that personal curator mm-hmm. every single day to one, to many, to groups of people. But it all starts out with individuals who know, like, and trust them, and then their network continues to expand. Let me ask you this too, Mitchell. This this is something that, uh, you know, seems to come up a lot as a theme uh, for myself in business, uh, for other people who I talk to who have different types of mentors, have had different experiences in their personal growth and personal development world. Um, you know, I think sometimes with people who are very good at what they do, who have a presence, who have a name, have built up credibility, legitimacy, uh, have good products, have good buy-in from the public and their demographic and very clearly knowing who their demographic is. Sometimes what I've seen, and maybe you can speak to this as somebody who's like way out there and has so much going on all at once and is connected to so many people and has so many platforms. You know, I, I think sometimes what becomes a bit bittersweet for the client, the person who's bought into someone else's brand, someone else's leadership, is that person becomes so big that they're conveniently there with their handout when they've got a new product to sell or they want new people to go see their talk uh, or, or get involved in whatever it is that, you know, is signature to them. And yet, there's no follow-up in some cases with people's progress. You know, they're very important when they're in the room, when they get a VIP ticket. Uh, oh, but, right. Right? But then they disappear. Well, this and is then- the – yeah, I think – I think – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut you off because this is a, a small pet peeve of mine. Um, in the business, any business you're in, yes. there's always somebody who claims to be the thought leader and they have the magic ticket. Mm-hmm. And you buy that magic ticket and you get their program and you are now given the magical elements that you can, you can, you will, you will, you will then sort of like click, clicking, uh, the, the slippers. <laughs> you will then go home to the place you really need to be. Um, you know, this is a fantasy. This doesn't work and it doesn't work for anybody. Mm-hmm. The answer to success. And and the and what mentors the best thing a mentor could do is give you the individual a framework, but you as the individual have to have to internalize that framework and figure out how you make it work for you. And the programs work when people truly they they wrap their arms around the framework and then they make it work for themselves. Right. And the the thing that's interesting, and this is kind of what I do with the AHA That platform, is I try to bring that to the next level so that it's so easy to help yourself that you actually do it on a day-to-day basis. Okay, I get that. You know, I I appreciate that answer. I I think I'm just talking from a a perspective of – you know, somebody who's really bought in and is doing the work, not somebody who, you know, just wants to say, oh, I've been to so-and-so for the name of, for the sake of dropping someone's name who would be clearly recognizable for whatever their program was, whatever their book was, their speaking engagement. And so the person who buys into this shows up and endorses it and plugs it and hits the pavement and is incorporating this into their DNA, is incorporating this into their business model, incorporating it into every aspect of how they navigate and maneuver their life. So people would be able to see these these gurus, uh, these mentors, these thought leaders would be able to see very clearly that somebody has taken, absorbed 100% what the whole idea of was was in partaking in this and signing up for this, and they're completely running with it. And then, you know, when you try to catch up, when you try to reconnect, when you when you try to even reciprocate uh, my platform, for example, of radio, to say, hey, let's bring you back on, and you know, let's talk about how instrumental you were in my life, and and you know how you're continually doing great things out there, and then. You know, these people are nowhere to be found unless, of, <laughs> unless of course, they've got a new product. And then all of a sudden you're being inundated with oh, all the God. hype and all the marketing. I mean, this, this is, this is, and I, this isn't just me speaking from my own personal, um, 
experience. I'm hearing this a lot because, of course, I'm immersed in the world of other people who are my tribe. And this is oftentimes the feedback that I receive from people is how disingenuous is that? Oh, I, I, so Lisa, I'm, I'm a hundred percent. So what that, what that actually means is they're authentic on the product they're selling when they're selling, but they don't really mean it because then they move on to the next product. Absolutely. And, and I think uh, if you could hear it in my voice, this is me. <laughs> and, and what happens is when somebody approaches me, anyone can get on my calendar. You just can't keep a lot of time if you, if you're not focused. Right. Or if I give you an assignment and then you don't come back filling it out, you can't get on my calendar again because, you know, unless you want to, you, you want to pay for it. But even if you're not going to do it, I, I don't want to help people don't, that don't want to help themselves. Absolutely. It doesn't make, it just doesn't make sense. But, uh, trust me, if you decide that you like me enough to get me back on your calendar anytime in the future, I'm happy to come back. <laughs> well, that's lovely, Mitchell. That's lovely. But, uh, because I'm cognizant of time and we're getting close to winding down, I really want to give you the opportunity in the platform here to discuss, you know, what do you have in the pot? What's brewing right now? So the, the hottest thing I've got is a platform. It's called ahahat.com. And, and the reason for that word, obviously I'm Mr. Aha, and, and the goal is to, or, or rather to say it, I am the Aha guy. So if you do theahaguy.com, you'll get to me, or if you go to ahathat.com, you'll get it. We've, we really, and I'm, I'm gonna press the easy button here. That was easy. Um, we, we, <laughs> we, we, uh, we actually have pressed the easy button on two particular things. One is authoring a book, and the second is being able to show up adequately on social media. And we really press the easy button. So let's start with social media. We have 34,000 quotes that are available to get access to for free and share in seconds. Lovely. Right? So 34,000 quotes, fun thought leaders. So when you're sharing their content, they are recognizing you're sharing their content, and your tribe is recognizing that you're sharing good, compelling content. Once again, available for free at ahathat.com. Um, and the reason I do that, the way I monetize, is I monetize, but we charge authors who want to write books. What we call a book is 140 bite-sized quotes, basically 147-second sound bites, and you only need one or two to close a client. And so we've had hundreds of authors write their book in eight hours or less. Interesting. Right? So that's the second, the second thing. And by the way, Two of these shows, two hours of recorded content is enough to pull out 140 bite-sized quotes. Wow. Right? So what's fascinating is if you want to be a thought leader or, in my words, an aha leader, or if you want to run a business or you want to be an entrepreneur in any way, you need to be the recognized expert. Mm -hmm. You are the recognized expert when you write the book on the subject. If you could write the book on the subject on Saturday – which we've had many authors do on just a Saturday, all of a sudden you've taken, you've not spent hundreds or a thousand hours writing a book and then months or years trying to get it published. You've spent eight hours and within a week or two, your book is published and now you're a recognized author. You have a customized URL and you're sending people to your content. And guess what? That content at a push of a button is easily shareable on social media. So not only are you sharing your content, so when you write your book, you're putting together one quarter worth of your social media marketing plan. Mm -hmm. And not only are you sharing your book, but you're getting your fans to share your book. So that's kind of what we do. It's at ahathat.com. And we are, for those that are listening now versus the the re-recording a week from now, uh, we have seven days left of a Kickstarter that we're running. And the Kickstarter is 170% uh, backed, funded. And uh, so we're definitely starting to build the, the product. I'm excited about that. And what Excellent. we're building, Lisa, is when you write an aha book, right? So, by the way, I, I, uh, I was the cobbler with, with, no, with the, sh the kids and having no shoes. So I did not have a – I have a book on Mitchell Levy on creating thought leaders, my consulting business. But I did not have a book on why – you should write an aha book. So we are, we're very close to publishing that. Okay. Um, so if you have a book that you want on any particular topic, how to live life fearlessly should be your book, right? And then more. I'm writing that right now, Mitchell. Oh, perfect. Well, yeah. we should do the aha book can then be the book that helps market your traditional book. 
Okay. But what's nice about the AHA book is how to live life fearlessly as a millennial, how to live life fearlessly as a mother in the workforce, how to live life fearlessly as someone who's 60 and feels like they need to stay in touch with technology. Do you get the point is you can yeah. now, because it's an eight hour write, you can now write very narrow books at a very focused audience and allow that audience to then gravitate to you because you're the author of a book that speaks directly to them. That's interesting. And if you don't mind me saying, there's absolutely no disrespect intended here. Is that kind of synonymous with what Jack Canfield did with the Chicken Soup for the Soul series? Oh, everyone wants to create Everyone wants to, you know, recreate the, uh, the, the chicken soup. Every publisher, it's their dream to, to do, to be able to do something like that. Um, this is slightly different because the book itself is also a social media enabled ebook. So okay. we can turn the books into PDFs, Kindles, paperback, hardcover. But when you first write the book and it costs $450 to publish a book on the platform, mm-hmm. that book is now immediately available for anyone in the world to be able to share your content. Interesting. Okay. Okay. And where do people find you, Mitchell? Ah, so the, uh, the primary website, ahathat.com, the Kickstarter, and uh, we use a lot of aha here, so you, you got to kind of write this down. We use the short URL, aha.pub. So it's http colon slash slash aha.pub slash Kickstarter. And what you could see there is significant discounts on our normal prices. Mm-hmm. Uh, would love to see some of this audience go on and, and back us five bucks. 25 gets you the key where you can automatically share other people's content. And then we charge uh, $3.95 versus $4.50 for the AHA book, but you also get two keys, two abilities to actually share that content automatically. Um, for me personally, feel free to uh, – you can Google Mitchell Levy and connect to me on, on LinkedIn or, or I'm on most of the other platforms. Excellent. And so for the contributing authors, these people who have gotten behind the AHA books, uh, what would be the best testimonial that you could share with people who are really considering that and connecting with you about that? How far have they gone with that? You know. So, yeah, so I, I, I'll share one, but we've got, I think, 10 or so different testimonials on our website. So you can actually listen to people actually give the words directly. Okay. Um, generally speaking, uh, the most immediate and obvious is today, if you go to ahathat.com and just start sharing content, you don't even have to write. You will significantly increase your following, right? People will see that you're sharing good, compelling content, and they will want to follow you further. And Excellent. so we've had significant changes. Uh, we've had many authors. One of our authors, uh, she wrote her book on a Saturday. Within 10 days, she we published her book uh, that same week. Uh, Ten days later, she picked up her first client, not because it was a brand new client, but it was an excuse for her to tell her network what she's done and she's written a new book. And then one of her older clients she hadn't talked to in a couple of years said, hey, I could hire you for this. Um, so there's a number, a number of stories like that, including people who actually have picked up new clients as well. That's phenomenal. And so for people, because I play devil's advocate to a lot of things too, um, and it's another opportunity for you to really just kind of shine here. So for when people uh, talk about, you know, quality versus quantity, people would be very enamored and very, like, uh, pumped to be able to, you know, pump out a book that quickly. But for people who are maybe questioning the the quality uh um, and I'm sure you obviously as a publishing company, you wouldn't get behind anything that you didn't endorse or think was 100 percent substantial uh, and, you know, would appeal to the demographic that you're you're looking to reach. Um, but for people who might go, OK, well, you know, is this is this a cookie cutter way to just say that you're an author because everybody wants to be an author? Uh, well, so, uh, yes, but I don't necessarily see that being a bad thing. But but I, I I was thinking you could give us a different – it is a cookie-cutty way for you to – because we have a time-tested, proven process, and it's all available on the website. It's ahavat.com slash author, and you can actually go and see the process today and actually follow it directly. Whether or not you publish with us or not, it's available for you to get access to. Um, let me answer that question in two ways. 
Okay. Uh, first, we had uh, had somebody tell me the other day. He goes, I was talking to one of my friends, and he got the concept, and he said he could never write an aha book. And I'm like, okay, I'm interested. And <laughs> and and the answer was because he needs to write more fluff than just pure compelling content. Wow. And I thought that was interesting because remember. An aha message or a tweet, a tweet is not, I ate sushi yesterday, right? <laughs> a tweet, a, a good aha message. And by the way, in our seven-step process, step number two, we have a single-page PDF that actually explains what is a good aha message. So if you want to share content on social media in a good, compelling way, just go and print off that uh, step two of our seven-step process, and that will give you a lot of clues. It, it, it'll take you about a minute or two to read. It'll completely change your your thinking process on how to share socially. So so one thing is is you got to share good, compelling content, mm-hmm. and and you can't and you're missing the fluff, right? You can't really share a fluff now. For those people who want to add fluff, any aha message can include a URL. That URL can point to slide, you know, the slide share to YouTube to a, to a, to a land, a squeeze page. So if you had something you really wanted to say, you, you, you actually can record a video, put it on YouTube, make it a, you know, a one minute video or a five minute video, and then your aha message will say something compelling and then have a URL that points to that YouTube video. So when people share it, they're getting your picture, they're getting your video, and the message itself is compelling. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, I'll definitely be talking to my agent about this. And, uh, in, in fact, if she's not already listening to us live, she's going to be listening to the podcast. Um, so, yeah, I'm very uh, interested in a number of things that I want to talk with you uh, behind the scenes at a later date for sure, Mitchell. And I, I just look forward to it. Absolutely. And I just want to say once again, because we do have to wrap up here. Um, but before I completely close off, can you just explain to people one more time where they can find you quickly? Oh, sure. Uh, my name's Mitchell Levy, M-I-T-C-H-E-L-L, last name L-E-V-Y. Uh, you could Google me and I'm, I, I will pop up in a number of different places. Um, LinkedIn's a great place to always connect to me. Say you listen to me here, it'll be much easier for me to, uh, decide to say yes and connect to you. Um, but go to ahavat.com. Any questions you might have, let us know. Or if you get our Kickstarter, that first initial video of the Kickstarter should say it all. And then, of course, you can you can ask questions from that. So that's aha.pub slash Kickstarter. Super. Well, I want to thank you once again, Mitchell, for the gift of your time. I've learned so much. Uh, no doubt that the listeners have too. And shortly after uh, we go live, I'll be issuing you a copy of the podcast. And, and given that we both are very good at marketing, we'll get it up everywhere. And uh, and this is replayed again on Sundays. So my Friday show is always replayed on the best of on Sundays at noon. And uh, I just want to say I've learned a lot here. Uh, it's really good to be connected and interfaced with people who actually know what they're doing uh, and are very passionate about what they're doing. Uh, so I want to thank you, Mitchell. Thank you oh, so very much. My and pleasure. listeners, I want to thank you once again for taking the time out of your Friday for tuning in and joining me here at the Contact Talk Radio Network. I am Lisa, your host. I go live every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific. If you have any show topic ideas or you wish to appear as a prospective guest on my show, kindly reach out to me at either lisamcdonald13 at gmail.com or lisamcdonaldauthor.com and McDonald is spelled M-C-D-O-N-A-L-D. I want to say thank you to everybody. Love and gratitude. Have a safe, phenomenal, wonderful weekend. Take care. Lisa from Dundas, Ontario, Canada. All my best. Thanks, Lisa. Take care. Carpe Diem with your host, Lisa McDonald. For more information, please go to Lisa's website at lisamcdonaldauthor.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.